Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. It's nice to see you here tonight. You might see this bucket up here. It was raining buckets earlier. But uh, I do have a purpose for that tonight. Our scripture is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, and then part of chapter 23 and part of chapter 24. I hope to speak on Mary Magdalene and the many other women who ministered with the Lord. This is God's Word. Soon afterward, He went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And then a perspective into the crucifixion scene. Our Lord has just said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And uh, Joseph of Arimathea had begged the body of Jesus from Pilate, And with Nicodemus with him, they went and took the body of our Lord to the tomb, and it would be sealed. But these verses tell us who was there. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointment. On the Sabbath, that would be six o'clock in the evening, they rested according to the commandment. Their hearts were pious, and in spite of the shocking death of their Savior, they worshiped and observed God's special day of rest. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, and in they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men 
and be crucified and on the third day rise and they remembered his words and returning from the tomb they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Let's pray. Father, guide us in your word. May your hand be upon the preacher tonight. May your word penetrate our hearts, encourage our spirits, and give us great hope to the day of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, the important part of that whole passage is the verse 1, because it says, the Lord Jesus went through the cities and the villages, proclaiming, preaching, announcing, and bringing the good news, evangelizing, that's what the word is, evangelizing about the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women. While all the ministry of the Lord Jesus and the many chosen disciples that he purposely chose, the twelve, while training them to be preachers and announcers and tellers of the good news that Christ's kingdom has begun. And it's a kingdom that's greater than this world. And even in death, his kingdom reigns. And those who have died reign because he is the Lord. Do you realize that those 12 disciples, as Pastor York mentioned last week, they were with him when he fed the 5,000 people. But Christ didn't feed thousands all the time. There were many women that followed with him. They served in many ways. Jesus never used his divine power for his own selfish purposes. He didn't feed himself by a miracle. No, he, he waited on God and since they were poor, he went throughout all those villages and towns and cities. But guess what? They didn't have the food with them. And so it seems to me that these many women that followed him, we're not told how many, but it does say many at some of his points, they provided out of their own income, their means, to take care of the disciples. Think of the logistics of that. Every day you're going out in villages and preaching, and you're hungry. And Jesus didn't snap his fingers, say, well, we need manna now. No, these women reached into their coffers and provided food. But I think they did other things as well. Now, the word where it says they, they uh, worked for him, they ministered to him, and... Uh, uh, provided out of their means, it's the word we get for deacons and deaconing. And in a sense, these ladies were deaconing to the disciples, the 12 apostles, and the Lord, and some others that had come along and served. 
Now, can you imagine the logistics of doing that? Can you imagine how it must have been? Well, look at the three ladies that are mentioned. The first one is Mary Magdalene. And it simply says that Jesus cast out, in another part of Scripture, seven demons. Now, not long ago, some of the pastors, some of our elders, went down to the meetings for better understanding at the Lancaster Mosque, just down in the city, on the west side. And we were, the purpose of those meetings are to share a biblical point that we have. And just speak on that. We're not criticizing them. We're speaking what the Bible says. And then the imam, the head of the mosque, will say his things. And then we'll have likable interaction. We know the gospel will get through. We know their teaching will not. But it was a great time. But about 20 minutes before we were supposed to share, Pastor Kiefer was going to speak that day. All of a sudden, in another room, in the mosque, in the meeting room, a man started screaming as loud as he could. We could hear him from various, where our location was, he probably was at least a couple rooms away. Isn't that right, Lee? And Pastor York and uh, a few others uh, 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 were there that night, that evening. And the screaming kept on going for about 20 minutes. Perhaps it was one demon. I think it might be. It was trying to thwart our get-together and sharing of the gospel. But can you imagine this lady who had seven demons and had not had any way to get rid of this curse in her life? Well, somehow, when she encountered the Lord Jesus, guess what? Poof! They're gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen? Well, I hope you're paying attention. <laughs> and then the other lady is uh, mentioned here is, is, is jo Joanna. And it might be that she is fairly influential because apparently her husband, Cusa, had a part in the administration of wicked King Herod. This is the son of Herod the Great. And he's the one who wanted to see John the Baptist risen from the dead because he had cut off the Baptist head. But this man, Herod, was a, uh, a fairly big, important king, an official, a small king. And uh, apparently her husband, Cusa, had a part in the administration of his rule. He had access to high places. And his wife... Maybe he was not a believer. Maybe he was a believer and had to fulfill his legal duty for the king. But I would think she must have some pretty good money too. And so she said, well, here is this wonderful savior, this miracle worker, this man of God who's preaching and doing things that no one else has ever done. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to use my money to bless him and his followers. And so she did. By the way, did you know that a daughter of our church, I won't say her name, but a daughter of our church some years ago was in President Obama's White House and had impact there by the testimony that she carried for Jesus Christ. No matter what your political viewpoint was, there was a daughter of Westminster 
ministering in the White House with her testimony. Amen? Amen. That's what we need. The gospel penetrates. And then, and then there's Susanna. Oh, Susanna. <laughs> Nothing more is mentioned of her in the Bible. But long after she died, Dr. Luke, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, Susanna was doing a good job too. You're, you're useful no matter who you are and whatever part you have in the kingdom. You're very useful. God has a place for each and every one of us. Now think for me, with me for a minute. These women, not just only having money, but can you imagine a crowd of 5,000? What do we have here? 150, maybe 200. Imagine 5,000 people. Men, women, and they had large families. Five, six, seven children. And while the Lord is preaching and his disciples probably helping out in some ways, guess what? Here's a baby over here that has a diaper that needs change. However, her one-year-old, uh, the mother is nursing the baby. And so these women, oh, look at that lady over there. We've got to help her. And uh, they take that one-year-old up and carry her in their arms and comfort her and encourage her or him. The ministry that they had, making arrangements for when they would sleep in the next town. Maybe there would be some shelter in a barn. Uh, maybe there would be a place where they knew people and families in the next village, in the next city, and they would go and make arrangements to care for the followers of the Lord, the Twelve especially. Boy, they were terrific servants. Well, these people provided out of their means. And I suppose the women spoke to neighbors of friends they had in the community that Jesus is coming. you got to hear him. He's amazing. Now, let me just transition into this point. We at Westminster have a wonderful ministry of serving the Lord. But you know that there are more women on our paid staff at Westminster than there are men. Is that right, Dr. Light? <laughs> He's saying, yeah. You see, ladies, we can't get along without you. <laughs> I, a couple of weeks ago, I was asking Pastor Walker, uh, somebody asked him, uh, when's this thing happening? And he said, I don't know, but just ask the offices. They know. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> we are so thankful for the servants in our church, but not just the office people. You know, we have women who take care of our crying babies and our children in the nursery. We have women who provide food and shelter. We have women who go into the retirement homes, our deaconesses, and visit the sick and the dying. We have women who sing to those who are hard-hearted and troubled by some particular thing happening in their life. God has given us women to cook our Wednesday meals. And we have uh, women who teach the Sunday school class and, for certain, the Vacation Bible School. We have women that counsel other women who need God's word in advising them. We have women leading Bible studies. And, uh, you know, 
we could not do without you ladies that serve the Lord. It's interesting, one of the commentators I read said, the Lord certainly faced troubles and accusations and hate from Pharisees and scribes and those who disrespected all the wonderful things he was doing. But there's no woman in the gospel, not one woman in the gospel speaks a hostile word about Jesus Christ our Lord. Not one word from any woman is mentioned in the scripture. How the Lord elevated the rank of a woman who were really disrespected in biblical times. Piece of property. God raised their ministry to be a blessing. These women were assisting in the proclamation of the gospel. There Jesus goes, and he preaches the truth. The, king, the kingdom of God has come, and it's with you, and it dwells with you. And now, guess what? There's some women there helping so he can continue on the preaching and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The women who served the Lord. Thank God for them, and we thank God for all of you, ladies. Second point, I, I refer to the courage of the women at the cross and the tomb. The courage of these women at the cross and the tomb, jumping ahead nearly three years. All this time, they've been with Jesus. All this time, they've walked with him and assisting in whatever way they could out of their own pocketbooks with joy because it's being used for Jesus and the gospel kingdom is going out. But now, three years later, the terrible scene of the crucifixion comes upon them. Now, I want to pause for a minute and tell about my wife's uncle, Jim. Becky's uncle, Jim, was a medic at D-Day, June 6, 1944. He went on the landing craft with the troops into the face of Fuhrer. How anybody survived, I don't know. We visited Utah Beach two years ago. Amazing. The bluff that's high, the German machine guns that rain down metal upon all these men. And uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Uncle Jim helped out and served in a capacity. He was wounded several times, but he survived the war. It was a blessing to us. When we had summer vacation up in New Hampshire, we used to go one day to his house. And Uncle Jim had a test of courage. Now here, I need your help. Is there a boy or girl? Uncle Jim would do this. I have a bucket here with water and a crawfish. And when we were there, our children had to pass the test. Uncle Jim put the bucket down. And he asked my three children, how brave are you? Oh, pretty brave. And uh, so all three kids had to pass the test. Because from the lake, he took the lake water and sand, and in there was a little crawling crawfish, little lobster. Some people call them crawdads. <laughs> Last week I was up at uh, uh, Lenore's 
home where she grew up, and there's a creek that went by, and that one of the persons said, there's a lot of crawfish in there. That's great. Well, Uncle Jim said, here's the test. And I'll ask somebody here. Does anybody here have a child, five, six, or seven, that's brave enough to pass the test? You come right up here. Come here. Come on. Anybody want to do it? Boy or girl? Ella, you want to come up? Come on. You can do it. Trust me. She's not going <laughs> to. That's okay. Don't want to embarrass her. Is there a little? Okay, here comes a dear girl. There we go. Hi, sweetie. How are you? What's your name? Rachel. Rachel, wonderful. Rachel, do you trust me? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you do. Um, Rachel, now wait a minute. Uh, look out here. And uh, I want to ask you, um, you're how old? Five, just right. Wonderful. Would you take off one of your shoes, Rachel, please? Just one of them. Because there's water in here and crayfish. Now, I want to see how brave you are. Would you put your foot here in the bucket? Just put the, the clean foot there in. Go ahead, brave. Oh, yeah, she is brave. Congratulations, honey. You did it. Woo! <laughs> Thank you very much. You can go back. You didn't get bit. I'm glad we have a doctor. I think we have insurance here. But I, I decided to uh, get the water. Here's the water. And uh, here's, here's the crayfish. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> I think one of my kids, thank you, Rachel. You can go back, dear. Thank you for helping us. Thank her. Yes, thank you. Um, one of my three kids did get the pinch. It isn't too bad. But... Uh, takes courage to come up with 200 people and do something you don't know is going to happen. Well, it certainly is minor compared to the courage of the women because there was a centurion there at the cross with a whole company of 100 men. Each one of them was powered with swords, armor, shields. Seeing that this crucifixion would happen as well as the two other thieves that were on the cross thereby and it tells us that they were there and they saw the whole thing and not only were they courageous in their watching but after the body of our Lord and by the way he wasn't an apparition he was really dead he was there with two others who were crucified that day they didn't lift a body and wrap it in linen that was a ghost. This was the body of our Lord who was sacrificed for whoever believes in him and trusts him to wash his sins away because the John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is what Jesus came to accomplish. But he was still dead. In fact, we haven't seen him yet, none of us. But those women were courageous enough to watch where Joseph and Arimathea took the body of Jesus, carried it there to the tomb, had the tomb opened, a tomb no one ever lived in, had ever gone buried before, was put in there, and the stone was rolled over it, sealing it by a Roman guard. That body is dead. And the very next day, they, they stayed in their homes all the time. I'm sure they wept. 
I'm sure they recounted all the things they had done. You mean we spent all this money for the Lord and these disciples and he's dead? Think of the cities and the towns we went to. Think of all the little boys and girls that Jesus had. Some he called up and said, permit the children to come to me. Think of all those ministries. Seems a waste. But nonetheless, that night they prayed. And it tells us that very early in the morning, they went to the tomb. And they took along the spices. Why? Because there was a dead man in there and they wanted to prepare him, embalm him. So the, the, the loving custom that would be done for our Lord, who deserved it. It tells us in the Old Testament that was predicted. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him and with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep, all we like sheep had gone astray. Everyone turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. But he's dead in the grave, not moving. He's expired. And yet these women had decided to go and balm him up with the spices and the ointments that they felt was fitting for him. That was courageous. And you know, the Bible tells us, I think it's in Mark, that when Jesus was arrested, all his disciples forsook him and fled. Fled. Moved out. Left the scene. You're alone, Jesus. And eventually, of course, John, the youngest disciple, came back to the cross and was there with Mary and the other Mary and Joanna and the Lord assigned John to be caring for his mother for the rest of his life. He lived a long time up into the 90 AD. So here is the next day, the resurrection morning. And uh, here is the scripture. What does it say? First day of the week, they came to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away, but they went in and did not find the body of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. That's a very clear sign of resurrection. It would have been there. There's no way the body got away. But they, they were slow in this. They didn't believe yet. They didn't believe what he said. And then, of course, here comes the, uh, the uh, angel. And they're bowing down to him. And the angel, as one commentator put it, rebuked them slightly by saying, Why? Do you seek the living among the dead? Remember what Jesus said to Mary and Martha? I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the, the life. He that believes in me shall not die. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And if you're here tonight and a believer, you'll never die. Oh, yes, you'll die a physical death. And just last week, we had the sad occasion of laying our dear brother Roger Fry, his widow's here. Put your hand up. Wonderful, Lorene. We laid to rest Roger in a grave up above Scranton, PA. And earlier this year, we had, uh, I had the privilege of doing the graveside service for Judy Linton and uh, Shirley Nolt. It hurts to see people we've talked with for years and ministered to and
seen serving the Lord die and will not see them again in this life. It's hard to lose a loved one, a spouse, a son or daughter. But can you imagine the grief of the one who performed all the grief of the ladies who saw the Lord prepare and, and serve in all those ministries, dead as a doornail? And the angel says, why? Why are you doing this? He's not dead. He's alive. Well, I had a friend in seminary when I was in seminary, Dr. Jack Murray and his wife, Eleanor. Anybody ever hear him? Dr. Jack Murray, put your hands up. Wonderful man of God. And uh, he graduated along in seminary with men like Francis Schaeffer, Kenneth Cancer, John Sanderson, and others. Jack found at Harvey Cedars Bible Conference. Any of you ever go there? New Jersey? Yeah, amen, great place. Jack used to go when he preached. Now don't be mad at me. You can be mad at Jack, he's in heaven. Jack used to say, there's a great way to get a message out. Telegram, telephone, tell a woman. <laughs> well, that's exactly what the angel did to use these women to get the message out. And it tells us, the, the angel said, don't you remember that he must suffer? He said he must suffer. He must be crucified and killed, but he will rise the third day. Don't you remember that? Yeah, well, they were shocked. I guess I'd be shocked too. Maybe I'd be so shocked I couldn't remember it. I'm forgetting things now as I get into my 76th year, but uh, these disciples should have remembered. You know who did remember that? None of the disciples did, but the chief priests and the Pharisees, Pharisees did remember that. And they went to Pilate and said, he said he would rise after the third day. Please put a guard there. The haters certainly did not believe it, but even God's people, God's people didn't quite believe this yet. And so they, they went. And uh, just, just to remind you, these women remembered, and you know, every time we have the Lord's Supper, we're called to remember, aren't we? That take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This blood is the covenant, the sign of the new covenant. My, your sins are covered by my blood poured out. Take it and remember. And the apostle Paul writes Timothy, late in one of the pastoral epistles, he says, remember Jesus Christ. Now think with me for just a moment, we're almost done. They still hadn't seen the Lord. It's growing. The love of the Lord and what he did is growing. Their knowledge of what he had said starts to come back gradually. It isn't like it'll be at the second coming when everything bursts and we'll see him in the sky. Jesus was testing their faith. He showed himself later, but he wasn't showing just yet. Building courage and strength and honor and the ability to tell people about the gospel. Notice it says in the scripture here two times that they went 
And uh, the angel said, remember how he told you? They remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told, they told, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and the mother of James, and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. Are you telling people about the Lord? We have a almost 2,000 year record of how God's changed lives. Are you telling people? Are you having opportunity? I hope so. I know some of you go in the operation room and uh, the doctor's there and say, I'd like to have a word of prayer. Some of our doctors have had prayer with people going into the surgery. Letting Christ be known, telling your neighbors. A whole course was held earlier last year with Pastor Kiefer on uh, speaking to our neighbors about the gospel, befriending them. Are you telling? That's what God wants to do. And the first people that were telling weren't the four, weren't the 12 disciples. Who were they? The women, Joanna, Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, and all those other women, Susanna, sharing the gospel. They went, they saw, and they shared that message. I, and by the way, and you know what happened at that point, it's interesting you some of you are taking Dr. Rogers' course. Uh, read the, the, the accounts of the resurrection. And it's interspersed because four different men were led by the Holy Spirit to give the account of that. But a harmony of the gospel is very helpful in seeing how all those things fit, fit together perfectly, wonderfully. And here are the 12 men who served the Lord, who fled. One betrayed him he's no longer with us one denied him and the rest fled and here comes Mary Magdalene saying yes what the angel said I saw an angel he appeared we bowed down and he rebuked us saying don't you remember what Jesus said do you remember what Jesus said I ask you are you remembering what Jesus says in your life, are you encouraged each day by what Jesus says to you? Well, they came and they said, we saw the angel. <laughs> the angel reminded us that Jesus said, I've got to suffer, be crucified, and the third day I will rise again. And then the lady said this, and guess what the 12 disciples did? <laughs> they didn't do anything except disbelieve. It says in the Greek, they apistuo, they did not believe. It was a firm act. In fact, it says they considered them idle words. We would say today, nonsense. But they were doing the right thing. Idle tales? No, no. Emmanuel truth. And so, I only say this. The communication of the resurrection by those first evangelists, they were women. And if you're a lady or a young lady or a young girl, your impact for Jesus can be fantastic. You can serve. Now, certainly, the Lord, can, I'm not picking against the men. We're serving the Lord, too. But ladies have an impact that many others don't have. And thanks to the mothers who tell the message. Thanks to all the women who tell the message. 
thanks be to God who uses women to tell the gospel message. And by the way, the next uh, generation, this continued on, and it continued on even till the 20th and 21st century, women sharing the gospel through various means. I wonder, you realize that first century was so hard? And this was around 29, 30 AD that the Lord was crucified and resurrected. And it was another generation, the Apostle Paul took this same gospel. He actually had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ and did all the other apostles did in 500 people at one time. It was no doubt this was a resurrection. A body was now alive. And they shared that. And the Bible tells us that Paul, when he went on his missionary journeys, I'll close with this, but he, he came in the book of Acts. You can read about Lydia. Say Lydia. <laughs> You've heard that name. She had a church in her home in Philippi. And how about Priscilla? He had called her a nickname, Prisca. That sounds cool, doesn't it? <laughs> Prisca. She seemed to be a, a real spiritual lady. And she had a church in her home in Corinth. And then there's one, the forgotten one, Nympha. How many of you have heard of Nympha? Let's see your hands. Nympha. I had to check too. <laughs> Nympha had a church in Laodicea. And that church is mentioned in John's Revelation, one of the seven churches. There was Nympha having a church in her home. Aren't we glad we have Vacation Bible School? We have kids coming into our homes. Thank you, by the way. Those of you have already, some of you have already signed up to have your house host boys and girls. Hallelujah. Amen. Serving the Lord. Lord, help us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for each and every woman that has served you in the kingdom. What a blessing it is to see how you made the descendants of Adam and Eve who were lost in sin, and yet now many have trusted you and served you. What a blessing that is. We thank you for it. We thank you for our mothers and our sisters and our daughters and our aunts. Oh, Lord, may we see your kingdom advancing. Thank you for each one here tonight. We pray your gospel and your word comforts each and every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.